Wonderful. I just want to thank you all for participating, and it actually underlines what we're doing here at Promise Church. Um, if you are not on Slack yet, then I want you to go to promisechurch.ca. If you're in the space right now, the tablet right in front of you will let you get there. Go to the Get Connected tab. If you're at home, promisechurch.community, promisechurch.community. And uh, that website will get you there. You need to um, click on Get Connected, fill out some of your information, and then request to join Slack. It's in the yellow box on promisechurch.community. And, uh, and join us because that's actually going to come in my sermon today. So um, it's, it's really important that we do that, and you'll understand why by the end of the sermon. Um, every Sunday we try to take up offering, but since it got put on me, I consistently forget. Um, so there's a big, huge pink thing on the top of my note saying, take up offering, thank you. Um, so here it is. We do, we take up an offering every single week because as a people, we gather with a common vision and a common goal led by the same Spirit. And God is at work doing something, and so He is calling us, and we literally pool our resources. And the government gives us a great way to do it by, by giving us a charitable organization number and by allowing us to be that. Um, and so we literally pool our resources for the purpose of the kingdom of God. And, uh, and so every Sunday we ask people to, to give and, and buy in and join in with what we are doing as a church together. What we do together cannot be done individually. Um, and so that's just the way that God's called us. He's called us to be together, to be a people. And, uh, and there's tons of examples of how that works out. So how do you give? You go to promisechurch.community. There's a green tab. You click on that, and you're able to give that way. Uh, just make sure you use the drop-down menu and select Promise Church, because otherwise uh, it goes to our sponsorship church, which is Willowdale Pentecostal. They're a lovely church, but they don't need our money. Um, and so I'm just going to ask you to do that. Let me pray, and I'm going to pray about the offering, and I'm going to pray about the message. God, I thank you I thank you that you are a provider. God, that you provide for our needs personally, but you also allow us to pool resources and, and provide for the needs of others around us. I thank you for the initiatives that this congregation invests in that, that helps others, that truly builds and develops others. And so, Jesus, I pray that, that as we continue to be a generous church outside of us as an organization, God, I pray that we would, that we would see great benefit to what we are investing in, in your kingdom, in, in foreshadowing what it looks like when your kingdom is, is established here on earth, when your promises are fulfilled. Jesus, I pray for, um, I pray for this message today, and, and we're talking about the church being healed, and it's coming on the heels of a sermon series of the church being broken. And so, Jesus, we do look to you to heal the church to heal us so that we could be um, in, in partnership with you in your mission. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we talked about being a God-focused church because this whole sermon series is, is being healed from the ground up. The church healed from the ground up. And the ground is God. Right? That just makes sense. I mean, we sung about it today that, that he is the rock that, that he's going to build this church on. It's God building his church on a solid rock. And, you know, the context of that passage is about, it's about Peter and, and, and the passing on of the church. 
and, and, and to, the, to the next generations. And we see that God is building a church. We see that Jesus talks about building on a sure foundation and not on sand that, that kind of breaks down and, and falls apart and can't support anything. He talks about building on a rock. And so that rock is being God-focused. God is much bigger than we are. And we start, um, and, and, and we realize how big God is. So last week, Slack lit up with, conversa- with, with the questions that come out of that reality. If, if God is so big, if God is about his glory, if, if all we are to do is to reflect on God, then what purpose is left for us? And that was the question that came up on Slack, and I was so happy for it because I knew that I was going to address it this week. What purpose is, is left for us? If, God, if all of this is for God's glory, then where do we fit? What are we supposed to do? And so, as a God-facing church, we discover that God is our foundation. Yet, if we face God, we seek to become imitators of Him. If we truly align everything in your thought pattern, everything in your heart, everything in your person, and you start to say, I am going to face God, what you face, you become like. It's not like the saying, you you are what you eat. It's actually, you become, you reflect that what you face. If Josh Dale was here, I'd be telling him, oh, he is here, he's online. If Josh Dale was here looking at this, he would be talking about we mirror. We mirror one another. In the same way, we mirror God. So when we become a God-facing church, when it's about his glory, we mirror him. And we want to become imitators of him. And so we, we quickly notice that God faces people. So, so God is above us, glorious, and we focus on him, and then we imitate him. Sorry, I just had some water. One second. Then we imitate him, and we, we say to God, we say, okay, God, I want to imitate what you are passionate about, what you care about, what you involve yourself with, what you are doing. I want to imitate that. And so this is what we do. We become a people-facing church. Now, caution, right out of the gate before I get to our text today, right out of the gate, the church oftentimes skips a step. We short-circuit the step. We say, all right, we're the church and where to focus on people. And, and, and we go like this. We go, church, focusing on people. This is not how we rebuild from the ground up. The church focuses on God and reflects God's passion for people. If we cut out the focus on God, we actually try to become the savior of the world. We try to replace God and say, thanks God, we got it, we can do this, we're going to love the people. It doesn't work like that. We run out of energy, we create problems, we, we become that broken church because we cut God out of the equation. So all of our activity, we need to be a God-focused church first and then focus on what God is focusing on 
which allows us to be a people-focused church. That's, it's so important because otherwise we do it in ourselves and we put all the onus on ourselves to become more than what we are. It's God who's infinite. It's God who's capable. It's God who's awesome. It's God who's working. It's God who's going to build the church, not us. Okay, let's get to the text today. 1 John 4, 7 to 12. 1 John 4, 7 to 12. And this is where we get from God where we move forward to. So, beloved. I love that start. It's such an old word, but it works perfectly in this text. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this is love. Uh, oh, in, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world. See, God people facing. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That's an ancient word. For our sins. The, the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us, we also ought to love one another. Nobody's ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. God's love becomes perfected in us. Okay, the word love is used 15 times in that passage. 15 times in one little passage here. Here's, here is love. Oh, great, a message on love. Yeah, way harder, way harder than what the culture around us is implying. Because if it's just like tokenism, that's not really it. So there's so much more going on. So we are called to be a people-facing church because in this passage, we saw that God is facing people. God becomes one of us. God incarnates. And so this big mass of God goes, okay, this is what I'm passionate about, what I'm focusing on. And so people facing. And every service that you attend, we're going to call people to face each other. We're to call people to look at each other, to, to interact with each other. Today was, was definitely one of those days, and, and none of that prayer time was planned. It's not on the order of service. It's because when we look to God, God is, is looking at us and saying, okay, face each other, bring your burdens to me. This is, this is what the church does. This is what we get to be. We get to be these people, and sometimes we go, oh, why am I in church? Why am I here doing this? Well, we're here doing this because we're carrying each other's burdens. We are showing the love of God. We're, we are part of it. So we need a church that faces each other. In our culture, we separate generations, right? We've got, we've got children that are primary and intermediate and then whatever the next one is and 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 they go all the way up into i don't know my kids aren't older than that i don't know and and they go all the way up into high school and then you've got your high schoolers and they're separated and then you've got your college and university people and they're separated and then you've got your young adults and, and they're separated well they kind of are the college and university people and 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 you've got then your your adults and then you've got your your people who are middle-aged like me and i have no idea how that happened 
And then, and then we've got the, the older generation, and we separate by generations. And we say, okay, this is how we separate. But as a church, God doesn't separate us like that. He calls us to love each other. Love each other. Young people and old people together interacting with each other. The question that Danielle asked, I don't even think Danielle got this message or, or looked at these messages, but she asked about who's influencing you, and, and so many are talking about an older family member, an older parent. If, if uh, Just a quick observation, I would say that fathers were most often mentioned. And, and, that, and I mean, there's a lot of mothers here. I'm not trying to undermine, but I just noticed I noticed, like, whoa, my dad, my dad, my dad. And I was like, whoa, crazy. Maybe God's saying something to me because I'm a dad. And then maybe the call is, hey, make sure you take your role seriously. You're influencing your children. And maybe if you're a mom, you're going to see the mom things, and God's going to go, you're influencing your children. But together as a church, we're people facing old and young Old and young, together, connecting, having moments where we're experiencing God. We're set up at Promise Church. One of the innovations of Promise Church is we're set up to be people facing in our Sunday morning service. And that's something that we are attempting to do. So, I have a fun little challenge that I want to give to us in being people facing. Really, really easy. Um, easy. Some of us will find it challenging. There are people in this room that you don't know yet. There are people in the room that you might recognize their faces, but you don't really know anything about them. And there was a group of people, I mentioned this on Slack last week, so if you saw it, you saw it, you'll hear it again. There was a group of people in our church that felt like we needed to be hosting a Christmas banquet. And I loved the idea. And this was when restaurants were just opening up and it looked like, hey, we might be able to pull this off. And they got right into planning and they were like, yes, we're gonna host a Christmas banquet. It's gonna be a party. We're gonna have everybody here and it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna do it all socially distanced and make sure that everything works. And as the rules started changing, because we all know that in the past two years, we're constantly dealing with changing rules. Um, it became apparent that if we were to host a meal, it would be an event which would fall under this new passport regulation for, um, for vaccines and stuff like that, and the thought came to these leaders, like, what if there are people that can't attend because they can't fit in that? And, and they were horrified. They're people facing, but they're horrified that, that oh my gosh, what if, what if we, what if, what if we would exclude somebody? And they were like, nope. Just the mere chance that they could exclude somebody made them say, no, 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 we can't do this. Okay, Here's the challenge. We're coming into Christmas. I saw Christmas trees starting to light up in, in living room windows uh, last night when I went for a walk, and I was like, oh, here it is. Um, it's November 15th, so Christmas trees are coming. Not real ones yet. Don't do that. Um, but we're in the Christmas season. Over the next few weeks, I challenge you to invite somebody to your house. Not somebody who's ever been to your house before. If they've never been to your house before, they qualify. Invite them to your house for a meal. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It could be anything from like, from like uh, McDonald's. I see, I see my, best, my biggest hosting family laughing at me because they're like, what? Seriously? This is a challenge. Um, <laughs> but there are families that, that, that I mean, we, we 
You know, that's not in our culture. So it doesn't have to be a meal. You could do like, I don't care what you do. Invite them to your house. Experience something of Christmas together. Expand your community a little bit. Even if you don't know them, especially if you don't know them, if they're here in the room, if they're on Slack, invite them over and connect with them because we're called to be a people-facing church because it comes from love one another. You can't love people you don't know. It doesn't work. I can't love the premier of BC because I don't know the premier of BC. I can't love the people who live in Calgary right now because I only know one. And so we have to love people we know. And the Bible says, love one another. And so we have to love one another. But that's really scary. It's scary because it opens us up to vulnerability. It opens us up to potential hurt. We go, how do we do this? And so (laughs) someone just said, Someone just said, uh, actually, I'll just call him out. It's, uh, it's, oh, it's Devin. Um, <laughs> oh, never mind. I read that wrong. I thought that he said that I was going to challenge, that I'm going to struggle with it because I would. I struggle with this challenge, um, but it's, it's good. It's good. So we're going to love people. The only way to love them is if you spend time with them. It's the only way to do it. You can offer sentiment, which our culture does a ton of. Our culture says, oh, we love you, on Facebook. We virtue signal all the time with no substance underneath it. As a church, let us love one another differently than the culture does. We need, to, we need to do this. So Romans 5, 8 says, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In this, we recognize that there was a separation between God and humanity. There was a, there was a distance, an unknowing. It's not that God didn't know his people, it's that his people didn't know him. And there was an inability for love to be expressed. And so when we were still sinners, God comes and bridges that divide and says, I'm here for you. I want to love you. I want to be present with you. As a church, we see God do that and we imitate it. God loves us. See, in love, we might experience hurt. You might ask somebody to come over to your house and it might not go well. I mean, if I'm cooking, better chances it might not go well. But that's okay. We experience hurt and we also experience forgiveness because in forgiveness there is more love. And so this is what we need to do. We need to love and, and bring together our community. We need to be a people-facing church. Okay, so this poses a personality problem. So let me touch on the personality problem really, really quick. We have two, the, our culture separated us into two major personality groups. We have introverts 
and extroverts. Now, I mean, inside of itself, that's probably too oversimplistic and basic. Anybody who's studied psychology knows that it's way more complicated than that, but our culture doesn't seem to know. So we've got introverts and extroverts. But the command of God to love each other is to both of us. It's to both groups. Let us love one another. From the text, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Both introverts and extroverts struggle with God's command to love each other deeply. Both introverts and extroverts struggle with this command. I hear introverts say, I'm not a people person. Or even further, the, the ones that would really, really be like, you know, I'm an introvert, might even say, I just hate people. That's a, common, that's a common statement that I hear in our culture. I just hate people. I hate being around people. I don't love it. And, and so they, they, they're challenged by the message to love one another because they say, but I'm not a people person. How could God call me to love another person? Well, that's because our culture has said to be a people person, it means that you're a big host, you're connecting with everybody, you're gregarious, you're excited, you're doing all this stuff, you're just like bubbly and whatever. But that's not what loving somebody else is. Loving somebody else is knowing them deeply. And if I know introverts, they know how to know people deeply. So love one another. Don't allow that, like, that personality label to stop you from obeying the command of God. All right. Extroverts struggle with it. And that might come as a shock to people. How could extroverts struggle with loving other people? Well, here's how. Because they say, I'm a people person. I love everybody. I'm an extrovert. As though the benefit of being around people exempts you from actually loving them. It might be easier to say, I love the energy that I get from people and forget to love the person deeply. It might be that, that, it's, this, that it's this piece where it's like, I love the energy, but I forgot to actually love the person. And so in both cases, we are challenged to love one another. And so your personality doesn't predispose you to be better or worse at love. It doesn't. And so we find ourselves called to love. And it is challenging because in love, there is hurt in this world. We see that that happens. And so in the, in the Christian experience, we're called to say, okay, I still love even though I was hurt. I still forgive because while, while we were still sinners, Christ forgave us. So I still love, I still forgive. And so as a healing church, we are people who are on a journey towards loving others. That's our journey. That's the journey we're on, and that's what we're exercising. That's why we call people to connect together. The promise of God is to bring you healing so that you could love others as he loves you. So,
Our ability to love others has everything to do with our ability to receive love from God. This is where I'm going I'm to pull it all together. You can't love somebody else just because you're mustering love. Just because you're convincing yourself you're going to love somebody else. You will run out. It, it, is, it is a resource that gets used and you will dry up, burn out, and become bitter. If you're just going, I'm just going to try harder to love somebody else, you're not going to be able to do it. Love comes from God. You will only have the ability to love others in as much as you have received love from God directly. In my 20s, it became quite clear that we don't accept the love of God readily. We want to earn it. We want to measure up. We want to do what it takes. We want to see ourselves as deserving. But the problem, if we succeed at becoming deserving in our own eyes, it justifies all of our exclusiveness. Well, I got to this point, so why can't you get to this point? Well, I fixed myself, why can't you fix yourself? And we struggle to love others. The point of Jesus was to say, no, you, you never deserve the love that God gave you. You didn't do anything to get yourself there. God gave it to you freely. So, we need to receive our love from God. And that becomes hard. And what we do at Promise Church on Sundays is we want you to connect with God. Because that's the place that you're going to be sustained. It's only when you meet with God. Uh, when we receive God's love, we know that God is love. Oh, just a note. God is love doesn't mean that love is God. Don't confuse those two things. If there's a sign that says the paint is wet, or the, the um, oh yeah, the paint is wet, wet is not paint. Paint is wet. Wet is not paint. You can't just switch the two. God is love. Love is not God. Doesn't work. So, so love, God is love. And so when we, when we go to God, he, he brings healing in our heart as we stay in proximity. He brings healing to us. So we stay close to God. Sunday services are about coming to God. We are ordained to love one another. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us, we ought to love one another. Someone just said, what would your advice be to somebody who's been immensely hurt by people or has a crippling fear or social interaction? How would you ease yourself into breaking out of that mentality or that hurt? Yeah, that's happened a lot. So what we, what we do with that is we receive love from God. I would encourage you to be here on a Sunday online or in person and allow God's love, He loved you, to bring healing in your heart. There are people who have been, who have been hurt so deeply that they feel like they can never reach out and, and trust and love again. And that's going to take time. For the rest of the congregation, we become the proof of love. 
So that's why we need to invite people who might not look like they want, you know, they're like, whatever. We need to help them create that safe space for them that's like, yeah, you are loved here. This is different than your previous experience. And if we stand idly by, we put the onus on them. Oh, you've been hurt before. And so then it's all on them to try to, oh, now I have to invite somebody? Oh my gosh, I can't do that. I'm not well enough. We need to be people-facing. Open our eyes. Look around. Be, express the love that God has given to you. And so, yeah, it's not about putting pressure on people. This sermon's called a healing, healing series, not a condemnation series. But it's very much like, if you know the love of God, show it. If you've been hurt, accept God's love, accept the people in this congregation's love, even if you're a little anxious or concerned about it. Try. Just accept an invitation so funny this entire sermon I didn't know how much this invitation was going to be the central point of it but invite people we can't love people we're not close to so let me close in prayer God in closing I saw a question on slack it says how can you if, how can we say God is love, but love is not God? In closing, God, I pray that you would reveal your person. That you, that everything you do is loving. That your motivation is love. That you define love. But God, that you are even greater than our small idea of what love is. See, sometimes we go, oh, well, we know what love is, and therefore God is pretty small because love is God. But no, you are greater than all of that. You are greater than our greatest experience of love. And so, Jesus, I pray that we would know you, and in so knowing you, we can define what love is. God, I pray that we as a people would be changed. Change our hearts, God. Fill us with your love, God. Allow us to overflow with love for each other. God, give us boldness. Give us wisdom. Provide for us. Allow us to f mirror you and focus on what you focus on. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, please continue to be involved in our prayer channel. I know that, that that was a big part of what happened today. And please continue to pray for each other. God bless you. Have a great week.